Guys, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you didn't draw a hunt this year, don't worry. There are still ways to get a tag and get out in the field. Not only are there leftover and OTC opportunities, but if you join GoHunt.com Insider with promo code JSCOTT by August 31st, 2021, you're also going to be entered to win $1,500 worth of Kuyu gear. You also are going to get 10 entries into GoHunt's Big Summer of Elk giveaway where you could win a 2022 New Mexico elk hunt and $15,000 in hunting gear. GoHunt Insider is the one platform for finding great hunts, researching new units, e-scouting, and planning your hunt. Now an added incredible value at no extra cost are desktop maps and maps available on iPhone and Android. Again, this is no extra cost. It's part of being an Insider member. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Sign up at GoHunt.com forward slash JScott and get a $50 GoHunt GearShop gift card just by using the JScott promo code. And also, don't forget, you're going to be entered into a drawing to win $1,500 worth of Kuyu gear. I also want to thank the gear shop at GoHunt.com and Cody Nelson, my friend of 20 plus years, the glassing guru. Don't forget, if you order on GoHunt.com or you call or text Cody at 602-399-3699, you're going to get a 10% discount by using the J. Scott promo code. You can also call the shop directly at 702-847-8747 or email at optics at GoHunt.com. I want to thank GoHunt for their sponsorship of this podcast. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting for sponsoring this podcast. That is the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. You can go to KUIU.com to order directly off the website. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They make the best hunting gear on the market today. Also, Phonescope.com. Use the JScott21 promo code. You're going to get a 10% off on all orders at Phonescope.com. Guys, thanks for listening, and let's get right to this episode. We have Jay Scott of Jay Scott Outdoors coming on tonight. I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of an outdoorsy kind of guy. So, uh, Jay, I see you on there. Just, uh, oh, there you are. You already got a request. You are on top of things, man. So, anyway, I was just going to say, uh, Jay's an outdoorsman. I'd like to be one a little bit more. Hey, buddy, what's up? How are you, buddy? Doing better than most. How about you? Oh, fantastic. I'm looking forward to doing this. Yeah, me too, man. I enjoyed enjoyed our talk earlier, and, and uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this one, too. Uh, a kindred spirit, even though I live in the middle of the darn city. Uh, yeah. I, I grew up doing the things that you do, and uh, yeah, kind of miss kind of miss it. I mean, not a lot of hunting, but mostly fishing and you know, a little bit of duck. But uh, I grew up in uh, grew, grew up in Yuma and also in Big Bear. So, okay, uh, you know where Big Bear is, right? Sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah. So, so back in the old days, back when there wasn't wasn't anybody up there. Now it's uh, now it's becoming very trendy because of because uh, of COVID. So For sure. it's completely full to the top. So usually the way this goes uh, is we'll I'll I'll ask you some questions for the first thirty minutes. We're very loose, so just just know that we're loose. And then we'll actually take questions from people for 30 minutes. So uh, you and I had a chance to get to know each other a little bit today, which was kind of cool. But you more so than me. So what 
I know you do. A, you work on a ranch, and you know. Forgive me for not knowing because we didn't talk about you today. But give me a little background on you, and doesn't have to anything. Nothing about real estate right this second. But what uh, what got you into what you do? What motivates you? And then we'll talk about what got you into real estate. So I was a kid that grew up with my grandmother bought me uh, Field and Stream and Outdoor Life magazines when I was a very little kid and. Um, didn't have a ton of exposure to it, but I was the kid that read the magazine and uh-huh. every little article and every little story and stuff that I liked. I folded the the cover or the corners of the magazine uh, to right. be able to come back to it and reference it. And um, as soon as I got exposed to being able to fish and hunt and stuff, I just was head over heels for that. Uh, fast forward um, out of college when I started my real estate career. I also was hunting and fishing and doing all the stuff in the outdoors as much as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And that's led into a profession of being a professional outfitter, taking people hunting and fishing on trips and stuff. And um, I've I've hunted uh, elk and guided for elk and deer and and sheep and all sorts of stuff across the Southwest, as well as fishing. And in 2017, a friend of mine purchased a ranch in uh, South Central Colorado called the Ot Six Ranch and asked mm-hmm. me to come up and be the hunt manager, basically for their family and their friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've been doing that uh, since 2017. I spend most of September and half of October there. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, I, I guided in Arizona on public land for uh, 20 years and um, still do for some animals. We also do stuff down in uh, northern Mexico and Chihuahua and in Sonora. And uh, in the summer for probably, well, since I got out of uh, college, I've basically been all around the West. I spend most mm-hmm. of my time in Colorado, um, basically chasing the hatches and fishing a lot of these rivers uh, across the Western U.S., fly fishing. Yeah. That sounds kind of like what I do, except it doesn't involve any fishing or hunting or anything else like that. <laughs> and drive, involves driving around the city looking at houses that are less than desirable for the most part. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, interesting fact, I was born in Visalia, California. Okay. Uh, and very, very uh, shortly after I was born, we moved uh, back to Arizona. I come from a ranching family. And uh, I've been in Arizona since. So people ask me if I was born in Arizona. I feel like I... That's all I know, but um, uh, it, 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 I actually was born in California. We spend quite a bit of time there. We were there uh, in May uh, down in Del Mar just enjoying the beach, so it was a lot of fun. Very nice. Yeah, uh, I love it down there. My my son and his cousin, who's staying with us right now, are, they're 17, 16. Uh, they were down surfing all day, and now they're tomorrow morning. I'm going to drop the, the boat off uh, at the dock. And they're going to take the boat over to Catalina and spend the night and fish for a couple of days. So that's um, fantastic. Sort of, sort of living, sort of living the life, right? Well, I try. I've tried for a long time to enjoy and do the things that I that I like to do, and um, I've been really blessed, and I feel fortunate to to do what I do. Well, okay, so I've got a thousand questions, but I'm going to ask the best one. Uh, how old are you, number one? I'm 48. Okay, you're 48. Okay, I'm 58. So, and and we'll we'll tie this back around, guys, to real estate in a few minutes here. But 
I want to know when you decided to live life on your terms and do what you wanted to do rather than chase uh, the corporate dream or chase. I mean, and I'm not saying you're not chasing money because we sure. all do in one way or another, but you found, I love real estate, but I don't love it like I love hiking up a mountain and fly fishing for a week by myself. You know what I'm saying, right? So how did you sure. make that? How did you make that decision to do that? And how did you, how, how have you been able to keep doing that? Uh, that's just, you know, I love it, but I, I was fortunate to have uh, both my grandfathers were uh, self-made businessmen, kind of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of learned from them and their lifestyle of, you know, doing what they love to do, but being able to work for themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, see how they could have some time to do the things they love to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, very fortunate. Uh, you know, I worked myself all through high school and college. And, uh, you know, I think it was those years when I was really grinding, you know, not making a lot of money. Uh, I played a lot of golf as, as a youngster in high school and in college. And I saw people that seemed to have freedom and seemed to be able to, to do what they want when they wanted to do it. And I think by seeing that and, ha- and being exposed to some of those guys at the golf course, uh, at the different country clubs and stuff I worked, I saw a kind of a life that I wanted to make sure that I, that I was able to lead. Um, so I've been very fortunate uh, to, you know, do what I've done in real estate. And then that's really allowed me to do the hunting, the fishing, all the golfing, outdoor stuff that, I, that I'd like. That's, you know, it's funny. I, I, I talk about, you know, the freedom that I've got. But the funny thing is, and we'll get to the real estate questions in a minute, guys. I, I'm, I'm about ready to pop wanting to ask that question, too. But come on, let's, let's leave a little for the, for the back backside of this. Um, I've, I've always wondered how people balance, and, and there's no such thing as balance in life, right? I mean, you, nope. you, can, you can try to there achieve that, but it's, it's really doesn't exist. But you would think that I'd be able to do what I want to do, but I, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on vacation in a few days here, and I know my phone's going to be with me, and I know it's going to be blowing up, and I know I'm going to have to answer it, even though you know, in a perfect world, I would tell everybody, it's like, no, I'm just going to turn it off and I'll get back to you later. But some of this stuff just doesn't wait. You know that as well as I do. How did you do that? Because it's a burning question for every man and woman out there is how do you really truly do what you enjoy and shut it off when you when you want to, when you need to? How does that well, work? To be honest with you, to truly do it at a top level and to really succeed and excel there is no breaks. You, you can't take breaks. You can't take time off. Um, you know, you, you have to go pedal to the metal. I would say, you know, from 97 till 2008, I was running as hard as anybody could run, you know, and even on my fishing trips, hunting trips, I would always have my phone with me. I'd always be doing different stuff. So I was never yeah. not working. Yeah. Um, I would say the last say 10 or 12 years, uh, Owning properties for myself and investing as a principal has allowed me to then kind of do things on my time. I also, in uh, 2004, I got married to my wife, Jean, and she is unbelievable about being able to help me with balancing a lot of the stuff. She does a lot of the accounting, a lot of the organizing, Excel spreadsheets, and and keeps um me focused or allows me to really focus on what I'm doing between 
you know, my podcast, between my outfitting businesses, uh, between the real estate business, uh, having her to be able to, uh, you know, kind of corral things together. I yeah. mean, she calls me kind of a big picture guy. And she kind of picks up, <laughs> picks up the pieces and kind of, you know, yeah. keeps everything together. That's really, really helped. Yeah, we're, we're kindred spirits when it comes to that. My wife would really like to retire because she does, she basically runs the back office and escrows and she does, she accomplishes so much in a day and then she has her social outreach too in Japan. And I don't know how she does it, but I'm I'm her big picture guy too. I come home with new ideas. It's like it's only going to cost fifty thousand dollars, and yeah, she I mean, puts up with me. I I do want to reiterate. I think to a lot of people listening, this whole mm-hmm. work life balance and stuff. To be honest with you, most people that I know that are super successful, they don't do a really good job with the work no. life balance. They just no. they do what they do, and um, some some of us are wired to you know, always have something going and be working, working, working. And, yeah. you know, the things have changed now with not having to go into an office. And, you know, we're sitting here, I'm at my dining room table. I'm, I'm in Colorado, you know, and, and I'm working and, um, you know, it, life has changed with, you know, not only COVID, but just over the last 20 some years, it seems like being on the move uh, has allowed people to do a little bit more freelance stuff. That's that's so true. I was talking to uh, Anthony, uh, my contractor today, and we were talking about that because, and he's going to go to Hawaii in a couple of weeks when I get back. And and I said, dude, you just got to shut your phone off. And he goes, I I want to, but I don't think I can. And I said, yeah, I I understand it. You really, you really can't. I mean, there's too many things going on. Things happen too fast. Back when we used to send paperwork by mail, you know, you had a few days, right? Yeah, I remember, you know, fax machines when I first started. Yeah, I mean, me too. kids these days, they don't even know what a fax machine is. No. Um, oh, I remember, you know, presenting funny, yeah. contracts in person and, and uh, you know, going over as a buyer, meeting with the seller, which is nobody wants anybody to do these days. Right. But presenting my offer and, and, you know, meeting clients and stuff. It just, it's a, it's a different world. It is. It is. And, and, and back then, I think you could go on vacation because if you went to Europe, nobody could reach you anyway. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when you really couldn't bring your cell phone with you because we used to go to Japan. And it was a it was a weird feeling because I could go there and totally disconnect. I mean, we still had email, but, you know, a, such a big time difference. When I was in bed, they wanted to talk to me. When I wanted to talk to them, they were in bed. So it was wonderful. But now... The disconnect is very difficult. That's why I'm, I keep coming back to that. So you're able to do what you love, but obviously you're making a living, living doing it. And I'm going to ask the question now, because everybody's wondering, what kind of properties do you have that provide you know, income enough for you to be able to do this, and how did you get them? Well, we probably should start at the beginning, but it's yeah. kind of a long story. I, I started in 1997. I got my real estate license right out of college. I went to Arizona State University. And gotcha. for probably the first two, three years of my business, uh, I focused on residential uh, land in northeast uh, Phoenix in the Pinnacle Peak, Scottsdale area. Okay. And my dad had been in real estate and still is in real estate, so now it's for probably 40-some years. Uh, he said, you, you probably won't like residential. You need to get in residential land. You like outside so much, you know, to be outside. So I said, okay. 
So I started in an area called Rio Verde, which people that are listening in the Arizona area, they kind of know that Pinnacle Peak, Rio Verde area. Mm -hmm. Um, I started out there. There was very little development at all. I think there were four homes when I started. Uh, I want to say there's probably over 3,000 now. Um, And price per acre was, you know, 25,000, 30,000 an acre. Um, Fast forward. Uh, 2005, you know, properties were selling out there for 300,000 an acre. That's mm-hmm. how much a p- price appreciation that the land, uh, you know, went up in that period of time from when I started till till 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, to make a long story short, from uh, about 2000 is when I kind of 2000 2001 is when I realized that these guys were buying property in bulk they were splitting it up and they were selling it off for a very large profit well i had kind of focused out in that rio verde area and i felt like i knew that property and knew the land i knew the well depths i knew all the utility um, where all the utilities were and i knew the lots and land better than anyone i didn't Mm -hmm. have virtually any money so i didn't know that i could buy property well I finally got enough confidence. I'd been a, a buyer's rep and a seller's agent representing buyers and sellers for three years and mm-hmm. sold a lot of property and made some commissions, but it, you know, I was still young. And um, it was then that I realized that these guys had figured it out that you buy in bulk and you split it up, you bring in the utilities, you improve the property, and then you sell it off. And so I was able to find my very first deal. It was in the multiple listing service. This really? is kind of a... This is kind of a fun little story. Yeah. Uh, the, the property came on. It was a two and a half acre piece. It came on for one hundred and ten thousand. Um, I decided that I was going to write an offer on the property as myself, as the principal, as the buyer. Mm-hmm. I wrote it for ninety thousand. I didn't think they'd even respond. The lady called me back and said, Jay, we have a counter for you at ninety six. I had a, a yellow pad that I still have right here next to me that I carry around all the time. Me too. Uh, I'm, I'm still a yellow pad guy. Yeah. I had a list of builders that I had created on that yellow pad list that were potential buyers for a property just like this. Yeah. So I called the I called the first name. Once I got it in escrow, let me back up. I had five thousand dollars to my name. That's all I had to put down as earnest money to get the deal in escrow. Mm-hmm. I did not have the other ninety one thousand dollars to close the deal, but I knew mm-hmm. I had a I knew I had a deal at ninety six thousand. I called the very first builder on my list. When Love I called the builder, I mm-hmm. said, I've got, I've got a two and a half acre piece that I can do a survey and I'll split it into two lots and I'll sell each lot to you for 55000 Your total price will be one ten. He said, where are you at? I said, I'm at my office. He said, I'll be there in 30 minutes. Don't go anywhere. He shows up. He says, show me these lots now. This is back, you know, we didn't have the, the mapping technology. I went back on the microfiche. Right. Yeah. And had an old aerial, and I outlined it. Of course, I knew the property. To be honest, I hadn't even gone to the property, but I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. So I showed him the map, and he says, Jay, I'll take it. I said, well, I know. He says, I'll take it. I want it. I said, well, I need to. T-. He goes, let me guess. You don't have the money to close the deal. I said, no. <laughs> he says, let me guess. You're going to want to use my money to close your deal. I said, yes. He said, fine. And he looked right at me, and he said, don't worry about this one. Go find another one. Nice. I said, well, wait a minute. I, I got to write all this up. He goes, write whatever you want up. I'm buying this deal. 
go find me another one just like it. So right then and there, I was taught the game of when you have a deal, the deal is more important than the money. The money comes. Sometimes the money can create a problem, but having the deal is most important. Absolutely. So I sold him my first deal, paid 96, sold it to him for 110. You know, today people be like, well, 14,000, that's not, I felt like come I was, on, the, come on, 14,000 on a hundred thousand dollar. Come on. That's I made, a lot. I made 14,000 and I made a commission of 3%. So I roughly made $17,000 on my first deal. Wow. That's awesome. But the, that's awesome. The, the kicker of the deal was him saying, Jay, quit thinking about this one. Go find me something just like it. Well, within about 30 days, I was able to find a five acre property split i i thought i could split it into four acre and a quarter lots mm-hmm. i called the same guy I, well let me back up i made an offer they were asking 220 mm-hmm. i offered 180 and they took it cash that it was in mls they were represented by a buyer's agent i was representing myself or seller's agent i was representing myself mm-hmm. they took it at 180 I called the same builder on the phone. I said, hey, I've got a property. It's actually better than the one you just bought. It's a little better location. It's four lots, 55000 a lot. I'll sell it to you for two twenty. He says, where are you at? I said, I'm at my <laughs> office. He says, don't go anywhere. I'll be right there. Don't call anybody else. He shows up. He says, I'll take it. I said, he goes, same deal? You don't have the money to close the deal? I said, no, I need to use your money. He says, fine, have my money seven days in prior. You can use my money to close and facilitate your deal. Write it all up. I'll sign whatever. So right then, I made a $40,000 profit plus a $6,600 commission. I made forty six six in my second deal. Now I was rolling. Not yes, necessarily from a money how standpoint. Old how old are you I'm, now? I'm 48. No, no, no. At this time, I'm sorry. Oh, that was uh, 2000. That was around 2000. So I was 27. Okay, guys. I mean, a lot of our, both of our audiences are probably about that age. Guys, come on. Yeah. So, but the the key was, so I had made, you know, what is that? 60, 60 some thousand dollars in a matter Mm -hmm. of, you know, 45 days. But the most important thing over the money was I had the game. The, the, the rules of the game were established in my brain and I had a model that now I could duplicate. Yes. So then, then all I focused on was duplicating that model. People ask me, oh, will you show my aunt's house? Will you list this? Will you do that? No, I'm going to do land. I'm going to focus. focus on it. And I, I, that's all I did. I was laser focused. And then from that point in time, you know, till 2008, I watched that market go from, you know, 25,000 an acre, 30,000 an acre, 50,000 an acre, 75, all the way to 300,000 an acre. I remember the, the whole time I'm buying. Now I'm making some money. Now it's all my money. I'm still mm-hmm. flipping some deals to builders, but I'm now, I'm now buying it with my own money, selling it with my own money. I'm now buying properties in bulk, splitting them up and then selling them off individually and still flipping properties to builders and still making them happy and finding them inventory. Um, let me, let and, me ask you a quick question. Are you doing the subdividing on these or are they buying them as is? So 
In the state of Arizona, what they're called is if you do split a property five times or less, it's a minor land subdivision. If you do more than five splits, you have to actually do a subdivision, get a public report, sh- show right. 100-year assured water, all of that stuff. If you keep it below five, you, it's, you just do a survey, get the legal descriptions, and you can sell off five pieces. So I, I took a model. And I just worked that model just over and over and Period. over and over. And I stayed so laser focused and ended up with properties all over. Um, you know, a lot of times I would I would have a five acre piece that I'd split into four lots. I'd sell three off and keep one. Mm-hmm. I'd have a 10 acre piece. I'd sell four pieces off and keep one. And I ended up having just hodgepodge of properties all over. Mm-hmm. So the, the market in 2008 obviously crashed. Those same properties that were worth 300, 325,000 an acre dropped all the way back down to 25 to 30 an acre. Mm-hmm. Well, the beautiful thing was is I knew the areas and as well as I had I had split into some other areas and focused so I had three or four core areas that I had you know was working that model. Mm-hmm. And um I watched those prices go all the way from 300 to 325 to 25,000 and it seemed like overnight. Yeah. It wasn't overnight, but it was a couple of years, but the same property that people were lined up to pay 325 for, you couldn't find anybody to buy them for 30. Mm-hmm. Okay? So my dad being in real estate, he's a property manager and's been a property manager for a long long time. Mm-hmm. In 2000, March of 2011, he said, Jay, I think it's time you buy some rental properties. Mm-hmm. Before this time, rental properties, unfortunately, weren't even on my radar. Right. I was buying and selling and developing and, and bringing in water power phone uh, all the time for land. Mm-hmm. Then I got one of the biggest lessons of my life, and that is the beautiful thing called Passive income, which I really don't believe in the word, but rental properties. I, I was able to purchase four rental properties. What in March of 2011, mm-hmm. rock bottom prices. When mm-hmm. I bought these four properties, I invested about four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in cash. I paid cash for all of them. Okay. And in in that time in Phoenix, when I bought those four, you could have bought thousands. You could oh, have, I, like I remember it wasn't it. I mean, the, I felt like the properties I got were deals, but you could have drove up and down any street. And if, if, if you would have had enough money or if or let's say if I know what I know now, mm-hmm. you could have bought hundreds and hundreds and thousands. I mean, I think Blackstone, I mean, I think they bought like 10,000 homes or something. Yeah, crazy. they did the same thing in Sacramento and they did some of it here. But Sacramento, which is where I do most of my investing, they were my biggest competitors. Yeah, I mean, so you, you just drive up and down any street in Phoenix and, you know, eight out of 10 homes had, you know, foreclosures and short sales, yeah. um, you know, with a little bit of foresight. Uh, I was fortunate to buy some, but I mean, if I if I would know what I know now, I would have bought every last one that I could possibly buy. Well, I think let's let's talk about that for one second and then I want you to finish that because uh, this story is the best story I've heard in a, a long time and I love it. Because uh, I was in Phoenix right before the crash, and I saw people selling land. I was working at a, a – I used to install – I've been a contractor, but I was selling decorative koi ponds. And we were actually putting display ponds in these rock yards. And 
palm tree yards and stuff so they could sell uh, koi pond parts. And everybody was selling their property. It's like, yeah, we're done. We don't want to sell rocks anymore. We just want to sell the property because they're going to develop it. And these guys got out at the right time. But you you realize as well as I do that at that time you were buying as much as you could mentally and you were still taking a huge risk in your head, I'm sure. I had so many people say, you're going to invest $450,000 cash in these properties. Jay, they're going to go down another 20%. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to keep going down. And never that's go back. One of the, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned so many in real estate. But it tends when things go up, they go higher than you think. When they go down, they go lower than you think. You can never predict the top or the bottom. No yeah. one can. There's yeah. people out there on the internet that you know claim they can. It's just a matter of, of good timing and good circumstance. But the reality is you can never predict the exact bottom, the exact top. What you can do is play the margins in the middle. Yeah. And by playing in the middle, that's where you can make a bunch of money. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. It's it's true. I mean, you can make money. You can make money. at the, I mean, we're still, you know, of course, I told you earlier today, we've got full-time people finding properties, you know, 20, 30% below market right now. And, you know, even, you know, you asked me earlier about my crystal ball, which is still broken. I apologize for that. Um, even, even with a crystal ball, I don't think we're going to see a 30% drop. I really don't. We might in some places. I mean, Phoenix, Phoenix may experience it. They've Phoenix, Las Vegas, they've seen such massive growth. Um, uh, not that everybody else hasn't either, but you know, those areas tend to get hit hard. Uh, but still you and I did exactly, I mean, we were both doing the same thing at the same time, putting money into things, but going, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And yeah, I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? I mean, if, if I had the maturity and foresight that you and I both have now, I would have bought 500 homes back then. I would have done well, everything I, mean I could. The reality is, though, like that 450000 that I invested in those homes, looking back now, mm -hmm. I'm the one that made the mistake. It, mm -hmm. Now, hear me out. Yeah. I should have bought eight. I should have put 50% down and bought eight. And if I would have known what I know now, I would have. Yes. At the time when everything was rock bottom and people, no one wanted real estate. No one, when I, they didn't want real estate. Nope. It, nope. You thought it was going to go to zero. Yeah. Everyone was like, this is going to zero. That's well, what I was in thinking. my mind, being fairly conservative, I was like, I'm just going to pay cash for them and they'll just cash flow and it'll be a great rental income and that'll be great. Looking back, it was a mistake. I should have bought eight or 12, put, you know, as much 20, 25 percent down and took that yeah. 450. And but you can never it's real easy to look back and think what you should have done. Yeah. Um, the older I get, the real I realize that you got to make good decisions at the time, and you can't look back. And there's going to be things that you hit out of you know a home run, and there's going to be singles and doubles out there. Yeah, um, but you, you can play those margins in the middle, and and you can make good sound decisions. And one thing about buying rental properties, and I've bought some more since, is there's really not a lot of downside as long as you've got a property. You know if you especially if you're buying for cash. But if you have a mortgage, as long as you can cover your payment and they cash flow a little bit and you can ride it out, you only get hurt if you sell. 
yeah. you have the ability to hold it for 20, 25 years. I mean, it's there's really not a lot of downside. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, we've strategically sold stuff. I mean, we've bought and sold and bought and sold, but that's strategic moves. Um, but for the most part, let's get back to your mindset of buying those houses when everyone's telling you not to. And you're hearing a lot of chatter in the background about why you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, which, quite frankly, we were hearing the same thing. I think, you know, it's so funny. Everybody everybody that was watching us then um, was telling us, yeah, this is kind of crazy. I don't know, you know. And then all of a sudden the market kind of started to turn around. But it wasn't overnight, like you said. I mean, it didn't go down overnight. It didn't come back up overnight. But all of a sudden, these same people were coming to us going, hey, can you kind of tell me a little bit about what you're doing? And maybe maybe I can invest with you. It's like, ah, OK. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have a funny story about that. Um, way back prior, when I first started in, in real estate, I worked in a, a actually it's a pretty fancy office. I'm with, still with realty executives. I've been with them ever since 1997. And uh-huh. um, I had some ladies that sold uh, high end luxury homes and. You know, I'm driving a beat up pickup truck that, you know, I paid a thousand dollars for and that's what I was driving. And I was out there walking all those properties and doing all of what I do. And they'd say, Jay, you're working so hard, but you need to sell something that that's worth a little bit more money. You're never going to make any money. And uh, that was in, you know, 97, 98, 99. And those same the exact same couple of ladies in 05, 06, when the market was sky high were calling me on the phone saying, what deals do you have? I have investors. You're killing it. You're, And and so the, the, the moral of the story is you have to just find something that you like. You have to find something that you have confidence in and that, that mm-hmm. you understand. And then once you understand that, you need to just go all in. It's, it's kind of like we were talking today with, you know, you have the construction background and you have the ability to take a property that is, uh, what other people don't see as a buy and you're yeah. sitting there going, well, I can do this. I can do this. I can add value and either flip it or rent it out where other people might not want to take the chance on it. Um, right. the, the four, the four rentals that I bought in 2011, I had to, you know, repaint, recarpet, retile new toilets. I had to, you know, probably put 20, 25,000 into each one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when, that's when construction costs were cheap. Right. Um, but you know, to fast forward, those houses now are worth about three times what I paid. Never had any vacancies. Uh, you know, the rents uh, were averaging twelve, thirteen hundred a month, and you know we're averaging well over two thousand a month now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, bought another one in two thousand eighteen. Um, bought a, a vacation rental um, in in two thousand nineteen, and. Um, you know, it's it's real estate has been a heck of a ride for sure. Yeah, and and you know, it's so funny. I hate to keep harping on this, but and and and, and Buffett said it. You know, you, and I'm not going to quote this correctly because I'm not good at that. But you know, be scared, be scared when everybody's buying, and buy when everybody's scared. And that's a horrible, horrible. Uh, uh, no, I, I mean, you, you always hear you understand blood what the, I'm saying when but, there's blood in the streets by real estate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and yeah. you did it. You did it. 
So you, yeah. you set yourself up just that one that one move. And yeah, of course, you could have bought 15 houses with that money. You really could have. But yeah. you didn't. But you did buy the four. And, you know, now if, if everything goes to hell, with everything else you've got going, you're good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. Long-term rentals have taught me a lot, and, and you know, they're steady. They're real steady money. Um, to be honest, I've had pretty darn good tenants for a long time. Um, you know, I have tenants that have been there four, five, six, seven years. That's awesome. uh, my, my dad has taught me a lot on how to manage the properties, and so I've really leaned on him on, you know, strategies on how, you know, increasing rents. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's one of the challenging things for me is I get to know some of my tenants and, and, um, you know, you hate to raise the price, but my dad's like, some of your properties are three or 400 a month under what they should be. And, um, so, you know, he's, he's really taught me a lot about how to manage them and how to manage people for sure. Yeah. I, we learned that lesson, uh, you know, just, were you and I talking about that earlier today about, you know, a lot of times people will have a property and they'll they'll lose tenants because they won't raise the rents and they're a great tenant. They don't yep. raise the rents a little bit every year and then they just do a massive raise and get rid yep. of the, and they lose a good tenant that they shouldn't have lost. Right. Uh, Instead of like you were talking like, you know, sometimes five to 10 percent and have incremental bumps. I mean, yeah. there was there was times I went two or three years and didn't have anything and then, you know, you're looking at a six or $700 deficit and you say, well, we'll do a $300 increase. And it sounds like a lot to them until they start looking around. Um, but, yeah. it, you know, the game of rentals, having good tenants is huge. And if you can vet your tenants as, as best you can and try and get good tenants uh, with, uh, you know, good income and, and steady tenants, that's, that's a huge part of this business. How do you how how do you vet your tenants? Uh, what do you do, do now? Well, do you do you do the tenanting yourself when you have to, or does somebody else do it? Yeah, but to be honest, I've had my tenants. I've had very little turnover, so I've had pretty much the same people a lot. But um, awesome. credit checks are huge, and calling past landlords. Um, my dad has been adamant about make sure you call several of their past landlords and get the exact scoop on the people and you know i gotta be honest i've taken some i've taken some people that maybe some others wouldn't but i was able to because on paper maybe they don't look as great but i talked to several of their landlords and they said they're they're you know they'll they'll pay they'll pay on time and they'll take care of your house yeah that's awesome you know one thing i learned it i think it was early on probably 2011 maybe when we would call one of the previous landlords, like the latest, and hey, how's this? Uh, how is how is uh, Joe Schmo? They're great. They pay on time every month. They've been wonderful. I think the only reason they're leaving is because they need more room and blah 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 blah. And it's like, wow, that's great. Little did I know they were just trying to get rid of them. And yeah. you know, so you've got to go back at least at least two landlords to get the real story. Because usually the one before that will go, oh my gosh. Yeah. They're, ter- they're terrible. So, yeah. yeah, you learned that early on, too. Go go yeah. back. Your dad was smart and st- still is, I'm sure. Yeah. So so how did you tie what you're doing? And now what you're doing now obviously has something to do with the real estate business because you're able to do it. And I'm, I'm assuming you're able to generate income with that, too. So you've kind of got the perfect life from from the outside, it looks, it appears. 
It always does that, from the outside looking happen? in. What's that? So I, it always does from the outside looking in. I mean, we can of look course. at, you know, um, I started my hunting and fishing podcast in 2015 and I generate about eight episodes a month. And so I have 787 episodes um, and been very fortunate to have, uh, I haven't checked in a lot, probably two years, but like 50 million downloads um, on my hun- hunting and fishing podcast and was very fortunate. Uh, five episodes in had uh, uh, go com come in and want to sponsor the podcast. They've still, they've been with me now since 2015 and um, several others. And so my podcast allows me to really communicate with people and um, have great guests on and learn a lot from them. And it's uh, been a, been a real blessing um, and you know, the, the, so over the last, since 2008, to be honest with you, I have not been near as active as I was from 97 to 2008 and, and to a fault. Um, I would have probably made a, for, an, another fortune, if you will, if I would have got back in the game. Um, but I've just been enjoying my outfitting business, taking people hunting and fishing, um, my podcast, having my rentals. And then doing a land deal, uh, you know, here and there um, throughout the years, just because I love it so much. You know, I think that's, that's if you don't mind me saying that's beautiful, because so many people get into this game because they want to get rich. And I don't know when it hit me. It's probably two or three years ago, because I was on that road. I mean, I wasn't, I'm not a flashy guy. I drive a pickup truck and, you know, the white t-shirt and the whole nine yards. Um, but, and I still want more money, but I, I want it for different reasons. I want it for comfort mentally, mental comfort more than anything else. But a lot of people get into this because they want to become wealthy. And my biggest hope that everybody out there that is listening right now, if they can take this away from both of us is the more successful you become, I really truly hope the more you realize that the success is in the people around you and the things that you get to do with your life more so than the money you make, because the money it's important. Money is so important and money can buy happiness because it gives you that peace of mind. But man, I'm telling you, if you're just chasing money all your life, you're never going to be happy. You're just never going to be. And it's obviously it hit me at a point. It hit you at a point because you could have, you could have just kept going on with land. I mean, Look at what's been going on, you know, and went, went on in Phoenix out there with, with the bigger parcels and things like that, where guys were making millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, I still have a bunch of stuff and, and, um, bought a commercial property back in 2005 and, um, it's just surrounded that, uh, Taiwan semiconductor, um, plant is going in just across the street and, um, it's actually for sale right now. And we've, we've had, uh, a bunch of lookers and a bunch of offers and actually had it in escrow a couple times. Um, but I think it's important to always stay involved. But going back to what you said to me, um, when I told you that story about how I started and, and when I yeah. found my first deal to me, I'm, I'm a hunter, whether I'm fishing, I'm always hunting fish. I'm looking for fish. I catch them. I let them go. You know, mm-hmm. I, when I find a deal looking, looking and searching and scouting for a deal, is that's to me that's the high that you get when you're you know whatever you're doing and it's mm-hmm. fun 
And mm-hmm. when you know that you have something that is an undervalued property, in other words, you're, you know, most of what I've bought over my whole career in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of properties, most, I'd say 99% of them are right out of the multiple listing service. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm beating down doors and finding stuff that's, you know, under the, you know, my aunt Edna owns and, you know, I'll sell you this piece or it's right out of multiple listing service. But being able to spot and identify a property and know that you have a deal is the key. And in my mind to real estate, mm-hmm. finding a deal, knowing you have a deal, being able to stay sharp enough to understand what is a deal is is the secret to, to being successful in real estate. I started with no money. Mm-hmm. I, I graduated from Arizona State University. I, ha- I drove a thousand dollar truck that I paid for. I put myself through school. I was very fortunate. My parents let me live at home, which I would mm-hmm. encourage any any youngsters out there. Take advantage of living at home as long as you can to save money or to not get into debt. So I didn't enter into the world with a bunch of debt, um, but I had a desire to want to be successful. And the key is finding something that that you enjoy doing, but find something where you can make a margin on it. If you can find a margin and then duplicate that model as much as you can and stay laser focused on that, you can make a ton of money. Well, People you, that, you, that knew me in, in college and high school, they see me now and they're like, you're the same person you were back then. You just have more money. But, yeah. you know, you don't get fancy. You don't get you just do your deal. Yeah. You're happy with you. Right. Yeah. You're happy with you. I think. I think a lot of times people become unhappy with with themselves, and that's when they try to become that guy with the Lambo and and whatnot. And uh, don't get me wrong, I like cars. I like yeah, I like nice houses. I like nice cars. Nothing against them. I'd drive one if if you gave me one, but it's not what defines me. Right. And I can see the same thing with you. What defines you is what is you. It, there's right. nothing. It's not a material thing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, we're not done yet, guys, but we got 15 minutes to go and I want to take some questions. But just that time we spent today, I really, uh, yeah, the, like I said, I said earlier, joking kindred spirits, but I really mean it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like that. There's, there's too few of us on, on social media that feel that way. And I think the majority of people out there feel the same way as us. I really believe that in my heart. What, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's one of those things that you, you have to understand that you got two guys that you're listening to that literally you told your story earlier. I mean, mm-hmm. I had zero. I started yeah. with nothing. I had no debt, but I had no money. But I had the desire to want to push forward and find deals and make it. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have the repo man come and take the car away. I didn't want to have the tax guy show up and say, you owed money. I wanted to buy stuff. And I mean, that's why I tend to not use a lot of debt. I tend to buy things free and clear and, and you know try and be that conservative guy. But I mean... I didn't have anything to lose when I started. When I bought my first property, I put $5,000 up. It was the only 5000 I had. Mm-hmm. That's all I had, but I had nowhere to go but up. 
Yeah. So it was easy. And then when I moved to my second deal, it was like, I've got nothing to lose. And I played that way with the buying and selling land for, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. And I just went for it. And went, it just went for it because I knew I had researched, I had a great market. And a lot of times I had properties sold before I even bought them. And that's the key. If you know what a buyer is willing to pay, that's paramount. That's the, that's the, that's the cornerstone of a of business. Know your market so well that you know exactly what it'll rent for. You know exactly what it'll sell for before you even write a contract on it, because that creates the margin. And if you know your 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 did, um, did you know you were did you know you were wholesaling when you first started? I mean, was that even a word? I didn't even know what it was. I didn't I, either. I didn't. Either. I didn't. Someone, I didn't someone know brought that it up that one was time a word. And I, went, oh, I guess so. I just knew that I had seen these guys making margin and buying it for 200 and selling it for 350 and I thought I know these properties better than those guys they're the ones calling me going hey what's this worth over here and then it dawned on me hey go find a deal yourself you can do, if they can do this you can do this so true so true and and that's the thing that we you and I it's kind of our job to impart that to everybody out there. Two guys that started with nothing that built up something special as far as I'm concerned and did it on your own terms for the most part and have been able to hang on to it. It's, it is absolutely so possible. And so many people out there don't feel like they can do it. They'll listen to us all day long, but they won't actually try to do it. The American yeah. dream is alive and well. I'm living oh, proof yeah. of it. You can, yeah. if, if you put your mind to it and get a chip on your shoulder and put your back against the wall and you only have one way out, yeah. you can do anything. Absolutely true. And, and the thing is, there's enough room for everybody. I hear that all the time from the gurus, which, uh, you know, maybe someone calls me that every once in a while. That's fine. But there's enough room for everybody. A lot of people go, well, you know, you can't make money in this market. It's just not, mm, you can't do it. And by the way, everybody's doing real estate now. I don't think people realize, guys, we're going to uh, start asking questions right now. I'm sorry, we're, we've got 10 minutes left. Uh, so in two minutes, we'll start taking quick questions. But I don't think everybody realizes how much opportunity there is out there. They're just so quick to say, no, there's too much competition. No, I can't do it. Blah, 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 blah. And you're just selling yourself short. You're you're talking yourself out of it. Plain yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's opportunity in any market in any location. You can always find something if you dig hard enough. Yeah. Um, but you've got it. You've got to do your homework, and you've got to be a hunter. You've got to be on the look at all times. If you're not yeah. on the look, um, you're not going to find it. Yeah, yeah, that totally true. Um, so. Pat Sides number three is asking, what is one piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? Uh, I like that question a lot. I would answer that being more aggressive. Um, yeah. You know, there were lots of times when I was being too conservative and lost out on quite a bit of money, um, which is it's OK. Um, but if, if you you got to believe in what you're doing, you got to believe in yourself. And when you find that model, you've got to go even harder than what you would think. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, if if you're putting in eight hours, you should be putting in 12. And I'm sorry, that's just the nature of this beast. You can't, it's not, I, I, I tell people they can do this part time, but it's going to take a while. But 
you know, four months to get to your first deal. Just accept it and go forward. Uh, Tony Two Coats, uh, Jay, I'm a retired NFL player. I'm 38. I've been an agent for five years. Love doing land deals. Advice for starting to expand my deal, uh, dealings out of my home state. So personally, I would not deviate out of your home state. I would stay yeah. right where you're at, where you can focus your time. A little bit of advice for guys doing land, but it applies to any real estate is when I started, I would go walk every, I would, I picked my core area. I would walk every single property that was for sale. I would walk every single property that was sale pending. And every time a property sold, whether I sold it or not, I would go walk the property. And so after about a year and a half of walking every single property and keeping notes in my notebook before computers, before cell phones that look like this, you know, flip phones, I had a yellow notepad and I wrote down on a piece of paper what everything sold for and what everything sold for right here. And I knew it. And knowing your market, I, I wouldn't recommend branching out into other states unless you're like doing some sort of recreational type properties. You've got to be an expert in something. You can't do everything. You have yeah. to focus, be laser focused on whatever part of real estate that you get into. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. Um, and let me see here. Uh, you and I talked about this earlier today, but Brian is asking, and I want your opinion on it. For my first real estate investment, should I flip, wholesale, or buy rental units? I mean, I think you do the deal where you find a deal and you, I call it flipping it to someone else. It's really wholesaling where you yeah. have a deal, you bring it to Mark and say, give me $8,000 and I'm down the road. Mark takes a deal. You take your 8,000, go find another deal. Yeah. You find one. You say, Mark, here's a deal. Mark says, I'll give you 12 for it. You take your 12,000, you go right on down the road and find another one. As you build up some money, then you have the the luxury then of potentially doing some rehab work yourself and trying to flip it or find a guy, find a guy like Mark or myself that says, Hey, you know, I've got this great deal. Can we go in 50, 50 and, and, you know, do something like that. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to discourage people from getting long-term, you know, income, you know, rental properties, but you got to start somewhere and build up some cash. I I agree. I mean, you know, it's so confusing. Again, referring to this morning, we talked about there's so much information out there now. When you and I started, honestly, there wasn't really a lot out there. And, no, and you know, that's was, what made it good is, is yeah. there wasn't as... A lot of late night TV, right? Oops. Oh, there I, we go. Outworked the competition. Yes. Sorry if a call yeah, Absolutely. In. No, it's okay. No, and that's all it is. It, it's... You know, I had a meeting with one of the guys on our, our sales team this morning and, you know, I said, you know, you're putting in 12 hours a day and you're you're winning because of that. You know, you're you're excellent with people, but we can do a couple of things with your voice and things like that. That'll up your ante. But just the fact that he's there 12 hours a day on the phones, he's winning. Right. Yeah. And it's just tenacity, just tenacity. Yeah, I mean, and he's you put your back against the on. wall, and and you only have, uh, you only have one way out. You put your back against the wall, and you only have to go forward, and you fight your way out. That's how, you know, I still do it today. I'm 48 years old, and I wake up every morning, 
thinking of how I'm going to push forward. That's what you do. Yeah. Uh, I, I like this question, too, because I'm a man of a certain age, and I was a man of a certain age when I got into this business. Uh, and uh, this gentleman's asking, I'm 52 and never have done real estate or a rental. takes time to learn the ropes. Is there an outline of step one, two, three, and so forth? Uh, I don't know if you've got anything out uh, on how to buy real estate or not. The one thing I would tell you is there's no age that's – you. Can, I mean, you could be 85 years old and still decide you want to do something. Yeah. If, if you decide you're going to do it, then you do it. You put a – you know, put something on your phone, put it on your mirror where you shave every morning, put something – you know – Put something to inspire yourself to, to do it. If you've decided you're going to do real estate, then go do it. Don't talk about it. Go do yeah. it. Go learn it. Jump in. Go talk to people. Go um, go to as many meetings as you can. Go to those real estate clubs that you talk about a lot on yeah. your content. Like You have to dive in. You have to go all in on it. And, and, and for God's sake, find somebody that you resonate with and follow them and it's you're going to get so pretty much the same message everywhere out there, but slightly different variations. Just pick somebody and go for it. Put your blinders I, on and just go for it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's simple. Yeah. Find a deal that's undervalued. Start right there. Find a bargain, find a deal. That's step number one. That is yes. paramount. Find a deal. And then once you have a deal, then you go find someone with money to partner with you or flip it to or whatever, but find a deal. That's it's simple. Go find a deal. Will. And you're right. I mean, if you can't find the deal, you're not a real estate investor. So right. you're not, you're a, you're a hunter, but you're not a, you're not a finder. Right. Uh, Will to that end, Will is asking Jay and Mark, I have a deal that I'm cautious to share. Uh, I got a, Move rooms. I, I left the office to come home and do this, so I'm going to walk out of Yuko's home office because she's going to do the same thing right now. Um, but this guy's got a deal to share, but he's a little leery about sharing it with anybody because he's afraid he's going to get cut out of the deal. Uh, how do you? Uh, how would you go about securing that deal before he shares it with somebody else? Well, first of all, he has to understand that it's going to happen and it's going to happen multiple times. And, you know, you're going to have to put your trust in people and and you're going to have to I would write it up in a contract form and have them sign it. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that doesn't hold a lot of weight, but usually when so people sign something and sign their name to it, that they're going to honor it. But you have to understand you found one deal. This is one deal. And if you lose it, go find another one. Like yep. you're going to if you're going to do this, you're going to have to do hundreds Yep. So one isn't going to kill you. You're going to not get it by not trusting. And, and that's not going to help anyone. If you don't, you've got to move forward. Even if you get burned, just go find another one and do it again and try and get, you know, get a good understanding, get it in writing, write it down and be specific and you should be okay. Yeah. I mean, it's important to get it under contract because people will take deals from you. I mean, it still happens to us today. Yeah. You know, we'll get something on the MLS, we'll put it under contract, and someone will go to the agent, one of our buyers will go to the agent and say, hey, look, you know, I'm just asking about this property. And it's like, why? Well, you know, I noticed uh, somebody's got it under contract and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, the real estate agent's calling you and saying, you know, your time's up and uh, blah, you know. The, the so reality is there's, the, it happens and there's 
a lot of great people out there and there is a few bad apples, but don't let a, a dealing with a few bad apples totally tarnish your thought process on dealing with everybody else. I mean, there's opportunity out there. You've got to take risks. You've got to jump in and, and do it and, and, you know, trust, trust the process. And honestly, it hasn't happened often enough to where I've ever said to myself, well, I'm not playing this game anymore. It's happened a couple of times in, you know, over a hundred wholesale deals. So yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about that so much. If you've got a, a good buyer and, and you're working on your buyer's list and you're working on finding deals all the time, and you're working on money and, you know, these are all things you have to work on at the same time, mostly finding deals. You'll be okay. You will be okay. Yeah. My, my advice is to move forward. And if it's in Southern California or Arizona or Colorado, call one of us. Yeah. We'll help you out. We'll help you out. Uh, all right. Now I'm just getting my bearings back. We've got one minute left. Can you want to stay on for a minute longer? Or you got to run. Sure. No, okay, it's but, good. Yeah, because uh, we, we didn't really give them a half an hour's worth of uh, questions here. So Yeah, I'm good. Uh, and unfortunately, when I walked away, I scrolled through a bunch of questions. And I apologize, guys. Uh, a lot of you on tonight, and I appreciate that. And I'm sure it's mostly because... Hey, while, while, you're looking, while you're looking through the questions, I'll let you look. And I'll just say, so find a deal. Write down a list of buyers that you know would be interested in that deal. So as you're searching for deals, also have your buyers list or your investor list or the person you're going to wholesale this to, you know, have five or six builders or have five or six guys like Mark that, you know, if you have a deal, you'll take it to. So you mm -hmm. call the first guy and you say, I've got an address. It's such and such. I want to flip it to, you know, I want to wholesale it to you. And Mark says, oh, I'm not interested. Go to the next guy. You can't have just one guy. You have to have a list. And that's why I filled up on my first deals. I filled up a, a yellow pad of potential people that would be interested. Mm -hmm. So you've got a buyer, you know, or you've got a deal. And then mm -hmm. you've got your list of people that you already know want the deal. And half of the deals that I would do, I would already know I had sold by the time I even put it under contract because I knew yeah. who to call that would want it. Yeah. And that's, and then when you so deal smart. with investors, let's say you, you take a deal to Mark and Mark's going to Mark's going to flip it mm -hmm. and Mark's going to pay you eight thousand dollars to walk away or whatever. You treat Mark right because Mark will want to do a deal with you again. So if it comes down and something happens and, you know, a termite inspection or something, pay the seven hundred bucks and take it out of your deal and let Mark make the profit. Because the next time you call Mark, he's going to want to deal with you. If right. you grind him over a $700 deal, even though you're only making 8000 he's not going to want to deal with you. So and, and everybody, everybody has to make money in a real estate deal for it to be successful and right. for you to do it over a long period of time. Everyone has to make money. And, and the thing is, too, I mean, there's, if you don't have a long list of buyers, you can come to people like Jay or me, we have, I have a, hundreds of buyers. So even if we don't want it, we'll find someone for you. Trust me. We if it's will. a deal, it's a deal. If it's a deal, if it's a deal, but we don't want to take it down because it's out of our area, out of our depth, whatever. Are we going to charge for it? Of course we are, but always look at it this way, especially when you're starting, it's better to make something than nothing. Greed 
and you might say, well, Mark, you're being greedy for wanting something. Oh, I'm not being greedy. I've been, I've been at this game for a long time. I've, I've paid my dues. Um, but get something. Don't be greedy. Make sure and take something because what will happen is you'll lose your option on the property and you'll walk away and go, darn, maybe I should have listened to Mark and taken the $7,000 and he could have sold it to somebody else and made right. his $5,000. You know, that's that's the way it works, guys. That's the way it works. I don't like daisy chaining deals, but sometimes that's the only way to get rid of them. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I think and I don't know, you you tell me that you tell me how it's been for you. Some of the deals like I was talking to a lady right before I got on the phone with you trying to figure out how we could help her. And it, I'm not going to go into it because we haven't done the deal yet. And it was kind of personal. But some of those deals where you have to actually get down in the dirt and figure out how to make it happen are the best ones because yeah. that's what everybody's passing those up, right? It's like, no, nah, I'm that's not right. touching that. There's no profit there. My guys that's are always telling me, Mark, look at this. And I'm going, nah, you know, that's not, come on, Mark, just take a look at it for a minute. I mean, I'm, I'm human. I, <laughs> I make rash decisions on occasion. Well, and if you get to be, if you're doing too many deals and you're, you're too busy, a lot of times someone will bring you a deal. That's a fantastic deal, but you're just so tied up and busy that you can't really focus on it. So, yes, I mean, it helps when you get to a certain point too, if you can have guys that you trust that can also meet with guys and vet deals and, you know, yes. say, and then they come to you and say, Jay, you need to pay attention to this. This is, this is a really good deal. I that's, know you're busy, but, but you need to look at this one. So having, yeah. you know, you, you have to put your trust in people and you have to build relationships. I've seen Mark on your content where you're talking about, you know, why are you sharing all this information? You're just creating competitors. No, you're, you're, you're creating partnerships. You're, oh, yeah. you're, you're creating people that you can, you know, work with. And, and, you know, now we've been connected. We never met each other in person and you could call me and say, Hey, Jay, I've got, somebody turned me on to a deal in Phoenix, all of a sudden now we have a relationship, mm -hmm. we have a partnership and we can talk and break the deal down. And that's, that's how you do. You have to network and, and, and share with people. Yeah. It's, it's, it's teamwork. You know, when I first got in real estate and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, if it was the same for you, but when I first got into real estate, I thought I knew all these secrets and I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't go to investment clubs anymore. I didn't network with other investors. I, you know, people would ask me, do you have any deals? Oh, it's been so slow. I'd have four flips going and this and that and the other. And it's, oh, it's just been so slow. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm thinking about getting out of the business. I don't do that anymore, man. I'll talk to anybody that's in the business that I think I can help or they can help me. It's sure because it comes around. It comes around. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but when this when this whole social media thing started for me a couple of years ago, I didn't even know why I was on here. Now I've got some direction, but I didn't know why I was on here. I didn't. I just wanted to talk about it. So you know, um, I do a question and answer session on my Instagram. Never like this. Um, I actually kind of like this format, but I just you know get questions and then I answer. I do it twice mm -hmm. a week and. Uh, I've done it now for a couple of years, and it it's amazing how much that I learn. Um, but yeah. then the fee the feedback that I actually get on on you know taking the time, and and that's what I wanted to point out is when you give people time, when you mm -hmm. give them your time, that builds trust and that builds credibility. And when you have trust and when you have credibility, that's when you can build a relationship and build partnerships, and great things can happen. So I, I've tried, you know, with my podcast and with everything that I do, I try and share 
I try and help people as much as I can. And it's, you know, so many things have come around where that's been very beneficial. No, I totally agree. And it feels good. It just plain feels good. You know, it's more fun to be friends with everybody than it is to be thinking everybody's going to stab you in the back. You know, if you think everybody's going to stab you in the back, they will. They they truly will. Um, But if you let it be known that you're an open book, People don't tend to mess with you as much. And even if they do, it's okay because they're not going to do it on every deal. And there's right. another deal out there. I don't I don't know if I said it strongly enough. Guys, there's enough room for everybody in this game. If you think yeah. if you think Mark and Jay are getting all the deals, you're sorely, sorely wrong. I mean, we get deals not even close. Yeah, we get deals all over Southern California and there's no deals right now. There's no deals, but we've got several we're working on right now. Uh, we've got two flips in escrow we've got one that's almost done we got a couple more coming up we got we got wholesale deals going and it's not because we're better than anybody it's just we're more darn tenacious than anybody else right yep for sure so man um we we should just go have have ali book us another date so we can do this again sounds great i I really i really enjoyed uh, getting to talk to you twice in a day was a treat I, i i so appreciate you coming on this show and doing that. Um, and it's funny, you, you brought up the Q&A thing that you do. I don't know if you remember Rick Jarman from Real Estate Old School. Did you ever uh, did you ever have a, the, the pleasure mm-hmm. of watching him? He's an yeah. older gentleman from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We started this show together. He unfortunately passed away from COVID uh, uh, late last year. And uh, he and I became very close. But that's how this show started, was just Q&A. And when he passed away... I didn't know what to do because it was just him and I bouncing off of each other doing Q&A. And we were having a great time and it was wonderful. And then I changed it to this format where I interview for a half hour and answer questions for a half hour. But, uh, yeah, it's it's funny, that Q&A thing. I, I, I love that because some of the questions people ask are so simple to you and I. It's like, what should I do? What's my first step? I'm 25. Well, to us, it's like it's just so obvious. Second nature. Yeah. But to them, it's 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 the answer that you give them. It could be life-changing. Could be yeah. life-changing, and it feels so good to be able to do that. Because I know I talk to people sometimes that change my life, and I never forget. I never forget. So, thank you for being on here, and I hope hopefully somebody's life was changed tonight by what you said, by your story. Um, hopefully, it'll spark that flame and get them excited about if it's not real estate doing something in their lives that is going to make them happy and move them forward. And, uh, man, I'm going to talk to you again. We know that. All right, buddy. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Okay. My pleasure. And thank you so much for being here guys. If, uh, how do people find you if they want to find you? Just, uh, J Scott outdoors on Instagram is probably the easiest way. And, um, they can, I've got a link tree on there. They can click on all the stuff from there. Okay. So in the show notes, I'll put that on there guys. So if you're, if you're one of my followers and you're not following Jay, please go follow him. Um, just some beautiful, beautiful photography, beautiful video, uh, and just a, a great guy. And uh, by the way, if you're uh, here and you're one of Jay's guys, please uh, take a take a trip over to my Instagram and uh, follow. And yeah, I follow you and enjoy your stuff. Waking up every morning and every evening, seeing your stuff. So I encourage anybody that's. Uh, that enjoys real estate to uh, definitely follow Mark for sure. 
Thank you. And uh, quick, quickly, your podcast is what? Uh, J. Scott Outdoors uh, on Inst- on uh, iTunes. iTunes. Okay. And then yeah. do you, you also said you have the YouTube. Is it the same? Yep. J. Scott Outdoors. Okay. <laughs> Consistency. I like it. <laughs> Love it. All right, guys. Hey, have right. a beautiful night. And thanks again, Jay. Wonderful. And uh, Take care. we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.